Hello, Internet friends. This is Glenn, and you're listening to Preparing Our Heart for Worship podcast. And this is Linda. And to all listeners, you are so welcome. Come on in the studio and make yourself at home for today's program. What a week we have had. You're not kidding, Glenn. When you start making a difference in the kingdom of God and his work through you, it's ministering to the body of Christ. The demons come out of the woodwork and begin, and really begin causing you trouble. The Bible tells us we will have problems in this life, and we should expect it. Indeed it does. Satan is the prince and power of the air in this life, and his attacks follow his nature to disrupt and destroy the cause of Christ. But Jesus says, Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Yes, he that is within is greater than he is without. Over and over, God had brought us through turmoil and victory over our problems. It strengthens our faith to see him bring us out of our problems, to victory over them, and puts us into a better place than we when we first started. We can indeed rest in him, Linda. Not that anyone should think of us as super saints, that we are not. It is still difficult to go through the struggles and problems. Indeed it is. We are still prone to wonder and worry about how we are going to get through the problem at hand. The dividing line between let go and let God and Lord, what shall we do in this case, is difficult because it's our nature to want to do it ourselves. Yes, our struggle, I struggle with this myself, Linda. Do nothing or wait on God or do something even if it's wrong. It just must be bathed in prayer. The Bible tells us our life is to be built on faith and trust in Jesus. He promised us he'd never leave us nor forsake us. So he's there with us through these trials and tribulations. And he also said, call on me and I'll show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. As we go through these experiences, it certainly strengthens our trust relationship with Jesus our Lord. So we pray and seek his will and the problems pass us by in history to a new time and place with our relationship with our Savior. And as we share this testimony, we pray it is a witness to others that blesses and strengthens our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And now let's turn to today's hymn. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross, whether dearest and best, for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it some day for a crown. To the old rugged cross I'll ever be true, the shame and reproach gladly bear. Then he'll call me some day from my home far away, where his glory forever I'll share. And I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down, and I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it some day for a crown. 
I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it some day for a crown. Amen. The son of an old coal miner, George Bernard, was a long, lifelong servant of God, chiefly in the Methodist ministry. He wrote the words and music of over 300 hymns throughout his life. George Bernard was born into a very modest family in Youngstown, Ohio, in 1873. His father passed away during George's teen years, leaving the youth with a lot of family responsibilities. As a result, he became a coal miner, as was his father before him. Later, and for a number of years, he and his wife worked with the Salvation Army. George served for several years as an itinerant Methodist preacher and had a favorite scripture verse, and it was John 3.16. When quoting the verse, he seemed always to have a vision of the cross, a crude Roman instrument of death. It was stained with the blood of Christ, who on occasion, as he was thinking of Christ's crucifixion, An original melody ran through his mind. Although it wasn't a complete melody, a few words came with it. He struggled to write some appropriate lyrics, but all all that came in that passage was, I'll cherish the old rugged cross. The song seemed to take shape in bits and pieces. He returned from several preaching engagements to his home with a renewed meaning of the cross etched in his mind and heart. He took the song manuscript and placed it on the kitchen table. In a very short span of time, he was able to rewrite the stanzas with each word falling perfectly into place. He asked his wife to join him in the kitchen. She did so, and he joyfully sang his prized new song. She was very pleased, expressing that the song was great. He then sent the manuscript to Charles H. Gabriel in Chicago, asking if he would write the proper chords with the melody line. Gabriel did so and returned the document with the message. You will hear from this song. Bernard said, what I have since heard. Bernard said, what I have since heard countless other songwriters say. I really didn't write it. I was merely the instrument God used. Evangelist George Bernard gave this first-person account of the composition of his most famous hymn to publishing acquaintance George Sandville sometime before 1943. I was praying for a full understanding of the cross and its plain Christianity. I read and studied it and prayed. I saw Christ and the cross inseparable. The Christ of the cross became more than a symbol. The scene pictured a method outlined a progress and revealed the consummation of the spiritual experience. It was like seeing John 3.16 leave the printed page, take form, and act out the meaning of redemption. While watching the scene with my mind's eye, the theme was a song. The song came to me, and with it the melody. 
but only words of the theme, the old rugged cross, came an inner voice that seemed to say, Wait! I was holding evangelistic meetings in Michigan, so I could not continue with the poem. After a series of meetings in New York State the following week, I tried again to compose the poem, but could not. It was only after I had completed the New York meeting and returned to Michigan for further evangelistic work that the floodgates were loosed. Many experiences of the redeeming grace of God through our Lord Jesus Christ during those meetings had broken down all barriers. I was, in, I was enabled to complete the poem with facility and dispatch. A friend added in, putting into the manuscript from his own story of the old rugged cross in 1930. Bernard provided another version of the story that some additional details. In the year 1913, Reverend George Bernard, then living in Albon, Michigan, and making a special study of the cross in God's plan of redemption, seemingly strangely moved to compose this song. Soon after he began to write it, he went to New York State to conduct some special evangelistic services, and after settling and after getting settled, continued to work on it, but seemed to make very little headway. So, for the time being, he just laid it aside. He returned to Michigan to conduct another series of meetings, and it was during this time that he was called to pass through a rather trying experience, at which time he caught a new vision of the cross and began to see its deeper meaning. As he visualized the Savior of men going outside the city he loved so well, bearing the cross on which he was to give his matchless life on the skull-shaped hill for a sin-cursed and ruined world, he was able to finish the song that was destined to bless humanity around the world. Well, while the song was still in manuscript form, the author sang it to Reverend and Miss L.O. Botswick, personal friends of his, and so delighted and thrilled they were, they asked for the privilege of playing, of paying for having the plate made for the first printed copies. The first public rendition of this song was at Chicago, Illinois, a large convention being held at Chicago Evangelistic Institute was moved by its wonderful message of simple gospel truth. Bernard's residence in Auburn was his concept where his and his conception of the hymn there are commemorated in a historical sign posted at the intersection of East, East Michigan Avenue and College Street. The sign reads the old rugged cross, one of the world's biggest and best loved hymn, was composed here in 1912 by Reverend George Bernard. The historical site, now vacant, marks the location of the home of Professor Delos Fall across the street from Albion College.
college. By one account, Dr. Fall rented portions of his home as apartments, and Bernard, a renter, penned the first verse and chorus in the little room off the kitchen in his apartment. Reverend Bernard, a Methodist minister, often conducted evangelistic services in Albany during his long years of ministry and operated a music company and tract society at 108 West Porter Street in downtown Albanian for many years. According to Bernard's testimony, the song was completed after returning to Michigan from New York. The place of completion is claimed by the First Methodist Episcopal Church of Pakagon, Michigan. In January 1913, the Reverend Leroy Bostwick, assisted by the Reverend George Bernard of Albion, held a series of religious revivals at the Pokagon Methodist Episcopal Church. Before the event, the Daily News predicted a large attendance, announcing Mr. Bernard is a sweet singer and a splendid gospel preacher. Bernard had begun composing the hymn, The Old Rugged Cross, while in Albion in the previous year. He completed the, the hymn here in preparation for the revival services. The place of completion also claimed by the Friends Community Church of Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. According to the church, Bernard had participated in evangelistic services there from December 29, 1912 to January 12, 1913. And while he was there, several church members witnessed him joining, working on the hymn, and it was uh, debated, it, it was debuted in, his, in, in its completion on the final night of the campaign. Testimonies from the event were compiled by, pub, and published by J, John H. Baxter in 1947. Although Bernard did not mention traveling to Wisconsin in either of the accounts above, his presence there is well attested by the Sturgeon Bay Church. Various accounts of the revival appeared in the local newspapers. They wrote, The revival conducted by the evangelists Bernard and Mirius closed Sabbath evening about the midnight hour in a blaze of glory. 140 came to the altars as seekers for that which would satisfy the longings of the soul and found Christ as a life giver, a refuge, a helper, and a divine strength giver. John H. Baxter, who was pastor of the church in 1947, wrote to Bernard in search of acknowledgment of his work on that hymn while in Sturgeon Bay. Bernard replied, I did recall, however, that I was working on my song, The Old Rugged Cross, while there, and what you say about its being sung there in its entirety for the first time may be true. It would seem from the available evidence that Bernard did continue to work on the hymn, minimally while in New York, more substantially while in Wisconsin. Sometimes soon after the hymn was premiered, more broadly, in a convention in Chicago. Bernard's song is like Isaac Watts' revered hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. 
in the way that it approaches the cross from a position of the observer, gazing in wonder and meditating upon the act of the sacrifice performed there, of exchanging the cross for a crown, an idea reflected in James 1.12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And, Revelation 2.10, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. In the original printing from Heart and Life Songs, the song was headed by Galatians 6.14. But, for be it for me to boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. M. Commentator Robert Cottrell was drawn to the second stanza, especially the notion of the cross being so despised by the world. He observed how the cross is a common symbol in our culture. Yet the Bible does speak of the offense of the cross in Galatians 5.11. So, where is the offense? Two things. There is a certain disgrace in being executed as a criminal. Yes, it was an emblem of suffering and shame. To be crucified was a shame, Hebrews 12.2. And when we identify ourselves with Christ, we bear his reproach, his shame and disgrace, as in Hebrews 13.13. 13. But it is more than that. The offense lies not so much in the object as in the message behind it. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. In 1 Corinthians 1.18 The song tells us through the cross, though the cross is an emblem of suffering and shame, the singer still loves that old cross. It stands at two Though the old rugged cross is despised by the world, it still has a wondrous attraction to me. In stanza three, though the cross is stained with blood, for the singer it still has wondrous beauty. While Bernard's text emphasizes the cross itself, especially in the refrain, he was careful to recognize the divine personhood became this ultimate sacrifice there. Each stanza includes a distinctive name for that Savior. In stanza one, he is the dearest and best. In stanza two, the dear Lamb of God. In stanza three, he is named more clearly, Jesus. And in stanza four, he is simply identified by pronouns, he'll and his. Musically, the melody is often performed differently from how it appears on the page, owing mainly to the awkward combination of the textual symbols stressed given in the written pulse of the melody. The textual stress can be accommodated by adjusting the rhythm of the melody. In spite of some vocal detractors, the overwhelming response to Bernard's hymn has been praised. George Sandfield, an executive in the Homer Rodhever Publishing Company, who had published Bernard's story in 1943, also furnished this earlier account 
of the explosive popularity of the song in just under 20 years of being in print. When I was composing the Cokeberry's hymn in 1923 for the Southern Methodist Church, they sent out a questionnaire and Mr. Whitemore told me that the Old Rugged Cross received more requests than any other song in the book. I was talking with the author Hunt, who puts the hymnals, the, the hymn saying over national broadcasting chains. And he told me all of the requests that come in to them, the old rugged cross always stood four to one to any other selection. In a survey conducted by Southern Baptists in 1938, the Old Rugged Cross was reported to be the fifth most popular hymn, the most popular being What a Friend We Have in Jesus. The song was initially popularized in part by the evangelistic music ministry of Homer Rod Heaver. Rod Heaver recorded the song on a 78 RPM disc in 1920 in a duet with Virginia Asher. The song has since been recorded hundreds of times by various artists. As a Methodist evangelist, George Bernard wrote the first verse of the Old Rugged Cross in Albon, Michigan in the fall of 1912 as a response to ridicule that he had received at a revival meeting. Bernard traveled with Ed Mears from Chicago to Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin, where they held evangelistic meetings at the Friends Church from December 29, 1912 to January 12, 1913. During the meetings, Reverend George Bernard finished the Old Rugged Cross. On the last night of the meetings, Bernard and Maris performed it as a duet before a full house with Pearl Berg, organist for the meeting, as accompaniment. The hymn uses a sentimental popular song with a verse-course pattern in 6-8 time, and it speaks of the writer's adoration of Christ and his sacrifice on Calvary. Bernard retired to Reed City, Michigan, and the town maintains a museum dedicated to his life and ministry. A memorial has also been created in Youngstown at Lake Park Cemetery, a plaque commemorating the first performance of the song stands in front of the Friends Old Church in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. Our song tells us, though the cross is an emblem of suffering and shame, the singer still loves that old cross. And stands too, though the cross is despised by the world, it still has a wondrous attraction to me. And stands three, though the cross is stained with blood, for the singer it still has a wondrous beauty. The song was first published in 1915 in Heart and Life Songs for the Sunday School, Home, and Camp Meeting and a songbook entitled Bernard and Two Other Colleagues. Eventually, Billy Sunday made the song a staple in his evangelical ministry. Sunday's chief musician, Homer Rodever, would end up purchasing the rights to the song for $500. Gary Gundy, a retired 
salesman, and an insurance agent, grew up on a farm near Lake City in the 1940s and 50s, not far north from the Bernard's retirement home in Reed City. Gundy attended a Methodist church, and his uncle, Frederick Smith, was a Methodist pastor who had gone to Alvin College. About 1950, Smith had a brief pastorate at the Pokagon Methodist Church, which hosted the first performance of the Old Rugged Cross in 1913. Indeed, when he died last year, Smith's funeral was held in the old church, which is undergoing renovation. During 1940 and 50s, Gerd's uncle enjoyed an unusual relationship with Bernard and his wife. Neither of the Bernards, the Bernards drove, so my uncle drove them everywhere they went. Gundy said two of the trips were lengthily, one to California and one to Florida. I remember him as quite a short man, about five foot tall, with gray hair, Gundy said. Once, on an Easter Sunday, he gave his slide presentation on the old rugged cross at my uncle's Methodist church in Morley. Afterwards, the family joined the Bernards for Sunday dinner. I think of no other song better to prepare our hearts and mind for the worship of our dear Savior, Jesus Christ. Not just our Sunday go to meet and church service, but our daily study and worship. When we look into the mind's eye at that old cross, we not only remember the savage torture, mentally, physically, and emotionally, the, cru the crucifixion came to our Lord, but also the spiritual torment that was inflicted. He took on himself our sins and there suffered our punishment for our sin. That was my sin. That was your sin. That was my punishment. It was your punishment. It was what we deserved. A just punishment for our sins is eternal destruction because no long, matter how long we suffer, we can never pay our sin debt. The Bible says, And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. It's everlasting torment. Friend, I want you to know how deeply I care about you, and I don't want you to go to this awful place of torment. Hell is real and terrible place. And it was prepared for the devil and his angels. You may say a loving God wouldn't do that to me. But God is not only loving, he's just. And he dispenses justice. But God also is a God of love. He does love you and me. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, Jesus, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In our natural state, we're hopeless, lost to our own destruction. If we are so busy and involved in our own sin and selfish interests, and never consider what he's done for us, we send ourselves to hell forever. If we reject a salvation, either by neglect 
or by intent, there remains no sacrifice. If you never thought about these things, maybe you've just been putting it off. There'll never be a better time that'll be more convenient than right now to get things right with you and your God. Turn your mind and heart toward God and tell him you're truly sorry for your sins. Tell him to take control of your life. He has a wonderful plan for your life and your eternity. If you'll make the everlasting covenant with God, he promised never to leave or forsake you. Don't think you can just figure this out on your own. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way to forgiveness in heaven but through Jesus. Speak to him with your thoughts. He's listening for you right now. Now let's hear Forgiven Do, Forgiven by the Old Rugged Cross. Thank <laughs> you. 
Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. We trust it was a blessing to you. It makes our day when we hear someone that was blessed by our podcast or music. We'd love to get an email from you. Just send it to glenn.dawson at glenn.dawsonea.com. That's G-L-E-N-N dot Dawson at Glenn, G-L-E-N-N, DawsonEA.com. You can find all our information on our website at www.glendawsonea.com. In addition to our email, you can find information about our Facebook page and Twitter information. You can also find links to our index of all our podcasts and links to all our music on YouTube. We do hope so much that you'll send your friends and family over to our website and sign up to our newsletter. By signing up, they can win a CD or USB with our songs on it. We hope you will enjoy those. And remember now, we love y'all. God be with you. And bye for now.